Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I try and do at least monthly here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel in video form as well as on most major podcasting platforms, of course, in audio form. Simply look up Mod Chat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app or platform, and you should hopefully be able to find it there, subscribe to it, and listen like any other podcast. Now, yes, this is going to be a little bit later in the month here, near the end. Uh, this is just when I had time to end up making this episode here, but... We're going to be taking a look at some fun stuff, and I'm not going to be doing a camera this episode, but I do have the PS2 here because we're going to be taking a few looks at the PS2. I figured, you know what, if we're going to do this so late in the month, we're going to have some more fun with this episode. We're going to do something a little hands-on. But either way, let's go ahead and get into the topics that we're going to be covering here. Now, first, I did kind of want to signal boost and highlight this with what I could here. This is the QHIN PS Vita Homebrew Contest. Now, I've covered bounties. I've covered contests here on mod chat and my philosophy is you know what if somebody is working on something cool or if they want to work on something cool and they want to get paid for it and it can help out the homebrew scene i think that's pretty awesome now just reading from the about page here from an innocence conversation on twitter to reality we are now organizing the third homebrew contest for the ps vita the past few months have been incredible for the ps vita scene from a relatively silent one to an outburst of unlocked possibilities like the dreamcast emulator grand of Dotto and Sonic games being ported, Piglet, a GLES 2.0 library, usage enabled, and Vita GL being more complete than ever. There's been a sudden change in the PS Vita scene. Despite the fact that it seems close to step another foot in its grave due to recent rumors about the PS Store being near to shut down for several consoles, PS Vita included, but thanks to the developers in the underground scene, the future isn't looking that gloomy for the Vita, which is why we decided to call the contest QHIN, which means sudden change. We want to be able to help the Vita community to pursue that change by growing the interests towards the homebrew scene with this contest, and by calling people to create new contents for the PS Vita using tools like Vita GL, SDL, UND, Piglet, and so on. If you want to be part of the journey and contribute with your project, then welcome to the QHIN contest. And it looks like this is headed by three people, which are Semilop, Cimmerian, Eiter, Too Old for Gaming, as well as Frank Garcy J. I believe I'm trying my best to say the names there. Hopefully I was able to get them. Now there's two ways you can actually help out with this contest. You could either submit something, of course, or you could even just donate. It looks like it's being done through Kofi or Coffee, however you're going to say it. So if you want to contribute a little bit in terms of money to kind of sweeten that prize pool for all the people and maybe motivate some more development on this, uh, that is definitely welcome. So far at the time of recording this, I am recording this on April 22nd. It looks like there's a a few nice utilities that have been added as well as some game ports. For the utilities, we have Homebrew Redirect, Vita Homebrew Sorter, a MAC address spoofer, DS4 Ambi, Vita Recorder, and Resave Data. Uh, for the ports, there is game ports of Abuse, Vanilla Conquer, which I believe is the first uh, Command and Conquer, and XCOM Terror from the Deep. So that's cool to see so far. If you're looking to submit, thankfully we're about in the middle of this. It's not too late. So this is up until May 27th. You'll be able to submit any type of projects. And the four categories are a game from a pre-existing engine, which is create a game with an existing engine of your choice, for example, Game Maker or Unity, or creating a game from scratch, so something without the help of an existing engine, something 
something original, utilities of course to create a homebrew utility or plugin, and finally ports which is porting an application or game from another system. I won't be going into all the details here just because if somebody is wanting to participate themselves through code, I would recommend you familiarize yourself with all the details here and read up on everything, see if what you're working on or if you want to work on something is going to be compatible and submittable through this contest. So that's what I would recommend if you're wanting to look for that. But either way, this is really cool to see so far. I do love to see these community efforts and again uh, by the time this episode is going out there's going to be about a month left so if you're wanting to start something and get it submitted you have about a month now again i did show the playstation 2 here and i said that i was going to be kind of revisiting it and doing some show and tell on this so i have actually done a video and even a previous mod chat talking about some of this stuff but let's take a look at some of the new developments that have been made here first of all this is in regards to the mechacon which i have done a previous video about in which the Mechacon was dumped. Well, I wanted to cover this piece here, which is from Myria Chan, called Mecha Dump. Now, just stating here off the GitHub, Mecha Dump is a program to dump the firmware from Dragon Series PlayStation 2 Mechacon chips, the SCPH 50,000 and higher, all slim systems, and all PSX systems. That's the DVR for anyone that does not know. It also dumps the key store of secret keys. Now there's a big warning here saying this program is dangerous. It can easily brick your PS2 if something goes wrong, requiring soldering and a Raspberry Pi to fix it. Follow directions, use at your own risk. And really, once you have this compiled here, there are instructions which cover how to use Mecha Dump. So you really just need a way to boot up Homebrew on your PlayStation 2. Once you have this all ready and compiled, you then go through this process using the instructions here, and you're able to dump the MechaCon off your PlayStation 2, which is definitely great to see. Maria Chan also covers how this works here. I'm just going to read the background, which states because this is a a very long write-up, but states here, it appears that a recurring problem Sony had with the pre-50,000 series Megacon ships is that they would find problems and have to make a new mask ROM in order to fix them. That is very expensive and slow. In the new Dragon redesign of the Mechacon, Sony added the ability to patch the Mechacon code by writing the patches to EEPROM. Then the factory and repair facilities could update these patches through test mode, a serial port connected to Mechacon. Naturally, Sony encrypted the patches, but since this project exists, you can correctly guess that that didn't quite work out as planned. The patches were encrypted with DES in ECB mode with no Mac. The use of ECB meant that any block of 8 zero bytes would always encrypt to the same pattern. When we noticed that repeating pattern, we guessed that they were using ECB mode, and these were encrypted blocks of zeros. That guess turned out correct. We hoped that Sony had used single DES and not double or triple DES, and turns out they did. Brute forcing every single DES is actually rather cheap. 2 to the 56th power isn't a big number as it used to be. There are some credits here which I would like to shout out. So this would be Akuhack, ASM Blur, Balika011, Kraken, L. Oliveira, Matthew LH, Myria, Vedi Tata, I believe that's how I say that, and others who wish to remain anonymous. So again, this is the project here, Mecha Dump for the PlayStation 2. Really cool to see all this progress. And next up, we have Mecha Pwn, which I did a whole dedicated video on. Due to that, I'm not going to be going into the nitty gritty here because I did an over half hour long video covering this 
this, but this is from the Mecha Research team. It was released, it says here, from Balika011, and so far the contributors have been Balika011, Matthew LH, as well as Myria Chan. Now, covering this here... Disclaimer, do not use on a retail DTL slash DEX. This sets the QA flag, which forces the use of the retail key store. This would break memory card compatibility. I wanted to talk about that disclaimer, and there's a few others on here, just because, again, this is a pretty awesome but pretty powerful piece of software, and if you don't know what you're fully doing on here, you could end up breaking your system. Now, the really cool thing with Mechapone is that, in short, this really allows you to go in and do one of two things. You can either change the region of your PlayStation 2 as long as it is a compatible model. So for example, I can take a US PlayStation 2 and convert it to a Japanese PlayStation 2 and play Japanese PlayStation 1 and 2 games on there. However, the other thing you could do is you could also change the system to a DEX or otherwise known as debug or really dev system at that point. And the benefit that will give you once you do that is you'll actually be able to play games from any region on your system right off the disc. So it depends on the make and model of your PlayStation 2, of course. There's a whole lot here, for example, between the 50,000 series and the 70,000 series and then what the 75,000 series and higher can do. It depends on the different makes and models, but it even depends on the different regions of systems that you have on hand. So for example, my NTSCU PlayStation 2s are really able to play games from any region once you do this, once you convert it to a DEX system. However, other systems such as right here, for example, NTSCJ and PAL consoles, they'll be able to boot PS1 disc originals from the console's original region. Unfortunately, like for a 50,000 series or a 70,000 series, if that applies to you, if you have a NTSCJ or PAL one of those systems, you won't be able to make use of that region-free capability, unfortunately. Now, the awesome thing about Mechapone as well, which a lot of people were excited with, especially if you do not have a mod chip in your PlayStation 2, is that you can even make use of it to play backed-up PlayStation 1 discs and even backed up PlayStation 2 discs. Now with PlayStation 2 discs, there is a caveat in that they have to be either master patched and then there's some limitations over master patched discs. Or, as I covered in the video, if you choose not to patch them, you can actually enable something called Force Unlock, which will enable you to play your PlayStation 2 games through something like U-Launch Elf or W-Launch Elf, just booting up a disc from there without having to patch the backup ISO that you had made. However, it seems like a lot more people are choosing to go with the master disc patching method, which I would understand that as well too, and that's probably something I'm going to revisit. Either way, this is an absolutely fantastic fantastic application and development to see and I do want to give a shout out and thank you to again just everyone who is on the Mecha research team and who has worked on this. If it seems like I'm kind of briefly going over this here it is because I am. I'm kind of giving it a top level look here because if you want to know all the ins and outs as at least what I was covering with Mechapone I do have a pretty long video covering that. Now something I have yet to cover here which people have been very excited about 
about has been free PSX boot. And man, the original PlayStation scene has really been something to look at here. This is from developer Brad-Lynn. And here, just explaining it, exploit allowing to load arbitrary code on the PlayStation 1 using only a memory card, no game needed. And just to clarify, this is talking about PSX as in the original PlayStation, not PSX as in the DVR. So in other words, it's a soft mod which requires a memory card and a way to write raw data to it. To use it, you will need to find a way to copy full memory card images, not individual files, to a memory card. And it gives some possibilities here, such as using a PlayStation 2 with the Memory Card Annihilator software, using MemCardduino, using a MemCard Pro, which I have covered before, uh, not with that method, but just talking about the device itself, using Unirom and not PSX serial with a serial slash USB cable, a Dex drive with PSX game edit, success not guaranteed at notes, and MemCardduino with MemCardRex, again, success not guaranteed. Now, the cool thing about this is this project has actually gotten a lot of attention recently, a lot of updates, a lot of contributions on here, and really this goes through the process of I mean, this is a dream come true at this point where something like Tony Hacks, for example, was only allowing you to really swap to another disc. Really, you need a modified game save and you need a original disc. Then when you load that game save using the original game, you swap out to your importer backup game. That was really cool, but I still know people are wanting just a way of, hey, can I just run this only off a memory card and free PSX boot? actually allows that. Now it is worth noting that this does pretty much carve out a memory card, so you cannot have any game saves on there that you care about. You have to make sure those are backed up, and you can't use that card for saving games either. You can only really use it as a boot-up device, so to speak there. Uh, that is covered here on the repository, and the cool thing is there's also a whole lot of supported models here. First of all, right off the bat, this does not work on the PlayStation 2 from what I am seeing, and it seems like here all models are supported and test on emulator or real hardware except the debug models, so the DTLH and the Net Yerose system. So this is just for a retail PlayStation 1. The point of this as well too is once you end up launching the exploit, you're able to launch Unirom, which at that point I've covered that as well too, but if you have a PlayStation 1 with a parallel I.O. port in the back, you could install Unirom directly to that, or you can use it to boot up a, another disc. So if you want to play a backup game or an original, like imported game, you're able to swap over and do that as well too, really just using a memory card. The cool thing is here as well too, check this out, I'm even revisiting Tony Hacks because Tony Hacks has been updated. This has also gotten a whole lot of attention, and now you can still use Tony Hacks the exact same way that I had shown in a previous video in which you have your exploit game and your exploit game saves and then you use that to load everything up that you need however there's also now the capability of launching tony hacks from free psx boot which is really cool and it even has this nice table right here where for example if you do not want an original game if you don't want to rely on that uh, you can use free psx boot and it looks like free psx boot will actually boot up faster than tony hacks which is good to see However, you do have to keep in mind that you can't just use that as a regular memory card anymore. So here's the thing here. 
I actually want to try this out. I haven't tried out free PSX boots, and I think this is a fantastic excuse and reason to give this a shot here. So I'm going to go download a few files. I've got my USB drive on hand, and I have the PlayStation 2 because I'm going to be doing the install through the PlayStation 2, and then we're going to try this out on the original PlayStation. As a big disclaimer though, warning, by flashing free PSX boot to your memory card, you need to be aware of the following. The MCD image files replace the whole contents of your card, meaning that your memory card will be completely wiped after flashing the MCD image, so creating a backup of your saves is compulsory. Because the exploit has corrupt memory card file system on purpose for it to run, your card will become unusable for normal operations. That is, you won't be able to use this card for saving and loading game saves, and it will cause crashes on your PS1 or PS2 console. Once installed, it may become difficult to uninstall, and the normal software to reformat a memory card won't work due to the exploit itself. You could end up with no means to recover the memory card. If, for example, your installation method was Memory Card Annihilator, then it will also crash. Memcarduino, Unirom, or the Memcard Pro would currently be the safe bets. So I'm going to be installing this, and I'm going to also try and uninstall while I'm doing this episode. We're going to try and do both. Uh, but I am going in here realizing that there's a chance I might just so to speak, brick this memory card. So first of all, I'm going to come down to the downloads here and the PlayStation that I'm going to install on because unfortunately this is not one size fits all. This is per BIOS version and that can be detected by the model here. So I'm going to be installing this on a SCPH7501. Let me actually double check that. So yes, this console is a 7501 and you know what? It might even be worth some people... You know, if you really want to be absolutely sure, you might even have to take apart your PlayStation 1 and look at the motherboard and compare it online as well, too. That's just in case somebody in the past, if they ended up, you know, swapping out the case on you. Um, that's just something to keep in mind. But either way, I know mine is a 7501. I've worked on it myself, and I'm going to download this latest version of free PSX boot. I'll just have to download the file here. Just for fun, I'm going to do the same thing with Tony Hack. So I'm going to download the latest Tony Hack zip. And we're going to be downloading Memory Card Annihilator version 2. Now, according to the GitHub, it looks like Memory Card Annihilator is probably not going to save us here. However, there's been reports that PSX Memory Card Formatter has seemed to be fine. Uh, so I'm going to download this and I'll give this a shot. All right, so I've got my USB drive right here. I'm just going to go ahead and format this thing. I don't care about any of the data on here right now. That's all okay. Awesome. And come over here. Uh, first of all, that is the MCD file that I need. Next up, I'm just going to grab MC Annihilator version 2. Um, there we go. Just drop that over. For Tony Hacks, because I want to give this a shot as well too. Uh, free PSX boot and, oh, which version is this? 4.1. Okay, I'm going to grab the 4.1, drop that over. Let's see if we can make use of that. And oh crap, I actually didn't even, I've, I've never used this tool. I actually did not know it came in an ISO, uh, which is fine. That means I'll just have to burn this off. So uh, I guess we're burning off a CD as well too. And looking at this here, uh, this is a PlayStation 1 ISO. Cool. All right. Just uh, wanted to make sure of that. I mean, there's nothing crazy here. I just ended up uh, grabbing a disk drive, popped in a blank CD, and we're going to burn this here. Uh, should take a few seconds, but 
either way, yep, that thing's getting loud. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull out the USB drive and let's take this over to the PlayStation 2 and see what we can do. All right, so over at the PS2, I'll go into my browser. Now, I do have my PS2 and my PS1 memory card here. I don't care about any of the data on the PS1 memory card, so I don't mind if I'm going to nuke it. Uh, but I'm just going to go in here. I am going to choose to launch Open Tuna, which in case you do not know, uh, once you get it installed, you just go in here. When you back out, you hold the circle button there to launch U-Launch or W-Launch Elf. Uh, but either way, I'll go over to Mass, and we're going to launch MC Annihilator, and there's the Elf file. All right, awesome. Uh, so we're going to be messing with slot 2, and let's see, I'm going to... I really don't care to create any image. We're just going to restore here, uh, but you can restore go to mass oh my god this is really confusing here uh, but i had to go into restore had to go to mass and here it's r2 that's it you have to do r2 in which you end up unhiding the mcd files so we're going to try free psx boot press x on here we're going to restore it and i've actually never restored a i've never backed up or restored a ps1 card like this so this will be interesting to see well that was pretty slow but it got done so we're gonna press x and i'm just going to restart the ps2 now admittedly i'm kind of curious as to how this works so i'm booting up the ps2 with the memory card in slot 2 and i'm just at this black screen yeah the, the ps2 is not working it will not boot up with the memory card now here we go we're booting up the playstation 2 without the memory card let me plug it in Okay, let's go to browser. I just want to see how this crashes. <laughs> All right, it crashed it right there as well, too. I want to try one more thing. So we're booting up the PS2 one more time. I'm going to go into the browser once this comes up. And I know this is to be expected, but I just want to try it myself and then show you all. So I have plugged in the... Uh... You know, I, I plug... Oh, nope. Okay, uh, it kind of soft crashed on me here, so if you can hear it, like, as you can see, it all looks fine, uh, but I plugged in the memory card, and I can't, I can't do anything with my controller. If I unplug it, yep, okay, so this is pretty much a soft crash here, uh, so it does crash this any which way you try to use this memory card on the PlayStation 2. Uh, now with my bomb or brick memory card, let's go over to the PlayStation. Alright, so I'm firing up the original PlayStation here, and there is nothing in the disk drive. Now, I did plug the memory card into slot 1, and apparently the way this is supposed to work is I'm going to try to open up the memory card. Whoa, that's actually pretty cool. Alright, that's kind of like a progress bar here. That's really awesome. I know before uh, it had a crazy, like, epileptic thing going on. All right, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay. So if I press start, well, I press start here. Uh, I can install a Unirom if I want to. As I mentioned, that can go on a uh, parallel cartridge if you have a parallel I.O. port on your PlayStation. Uh, we can go to the file browser, waiting for CD. I'm just going to exit. What about the memory cards still in beta back up your saves hey look at that i can actually browse that that's pretty cool and yeah it's just all gobbledygook right there interesting to see though all right cool can i exit out yep i was able to uh there's a hex editor 
All right, if we want to go through this at all, uh, what about the status? All right, cool. Uh, I'm gonna exit out of here, flappy credits. Wait a minute. Oh, okay, well I lost. <laughs> oh my God, you really have to press the X button on this. That is no joke. Okay, so it, that that's cool. It actually comes with the game. I'm I'm awful at Flappy Bird, but there's Flappy Credits, which is really cool. You can reboot. You can exit. Uh, however, if I do install Unirom, wait, did I just? Oh, I I actually just hit reboot on accident. But that's really cool. It actually does a really clean reboot right there. All right, that's pretty awesome to see. So I'm gonna go into the memory card yet again. This is actually a really slick setup here. This is awesome. Like, again, it seems to have a 100% compatibility, like, in terms of, I don't think it's going to crash here when they're saying that. Um, that's awesome. All right. Uh, no, I'm not trying to do that. But, well, if you come in here, uh, stop disk, manual swap, NTSCJ. Okay, cool. Uh, you can boot NTSC to PAL or PAL to NTSC, kind of like some old boot disks, or you could just play the disk right there. Uh, there was something else that I was trying... Oh, yeah, install Unirom. So, install to cart from CD, restore cart from CD, install free PSX boot to memory card. This is cool. All right, so you can use this to install it to another memory card, or you can load via serial. Um, that's pretty much all I'm seeing on here. Did I... Well, I just hit the triangle button, and that seemed to restart the whole PlayStation, so I was thinking that that would send me back, but nope. Uh, so we're going to launch this again, and now what we're going to do is we're actually going to try to launch a game here. So let me grab a disc. Now, for my demo recently, I've been using Persona 2 Innocent Sin, and I actually have a English-patched version of it here. Uh, so even though you don't see it, I'm just popping that into my CD tray. I'll go over to Boot CD. I'm going to just press Play, waiting for CD to become ready and unlocked. Let's see here. Alright, remove the free PSX boot memory card. Let me go ahead and do that. And yeah, apparently if you don't remove this memory card, it can cause some other issues because, again, this is not for saving. At this point here, you would remove the memory card and you would pop in another memory card that is actually for saves. Uh, but there we go. I was able to boot up my backup copy here of my English patch version of Persona 2 Innocent Sin. Uh, I actually have the original game. I own it, and then I backed it up, applied the English patch, and I was able to do it here. Uh, I'll even show you all here um, within the FMV, or we can even get to some gameplay as well. So the FMV, it's showing all the Japanese text, but there's English subtitles, which is not present in the original version. All right, so I'm even just starting the beginning right here of the game to show you all the English text. Uh, there's just a conversation that happens at the beginning, but as you can see, yeah, this is this is all English. This is cool. And this is one of those games that it did not come over stateside, unfortunately. We got the other Persona 2, but not Innocent Sin, so that one just uh, unfortunately stayed uh, all Japanese until it was translated and patched over to English, which is definitely cool to see. So there we go. We were able to boot this successfully using free PSX boot. That was a lot cooler than I was expecting. All right. So one last thing I'm going to try here, and then we're actually going to try this out with Tony Hacks as well, too. I haven't used the new Tony Hacks update. I just want to see what the difference is on it. Uh, but what we can do here is let's see if we can uninstall using the original PlayStation. Uh, so for this, I'm going to pop in that homebrew disk that I burned. I'm going to go to boot CD. I'm going to fire this up here. 
let's see remove the free PSX boot memory card I'm actually not gonna remove it uh, well let's see I'll go ahead and remove it why not it's telling me to so I've removed it let's see if it's able to launch this come on you can do it so it didn't boot that way here I'm going to try it with uh, just the mod chip that's installed on this original PlayStation let's see if that ends up interfering at all well it shows uh, SCEE and then SCEA at the bottom so at least the chip is doing its magic uh, but what's it telling us here let's see all right cool uh, PSX memory card formatter version 1.0 by reach C uh, press X to format card one press circle to format card two press square to unformat press triangle to unformat let's give this a shot so I'm gonna plug this into slot one uh, I'm going to press X is it gonna freeze oh format card okay all right uh, so it was able to do it there just fine so now let me go ahead turn off the console turning this back on here without a disc however I did pop the memory card into slot one and if I go to memory card let's see well, there's nothing there because it's been formatted, but it is usable, which is good. Uh, so let's go ahead and do this process again, but this time I'm going to use uh, Tony Hacks for this. All right, cool. So I'm going to go into the browser here. And as you can see, uh, the memory card is showing up just fine. So we're going to do the same thing like I had described. We're going to boot up using OpenTuna. Make sure this works. There we go. All right, I'll go to Mass, MC Annihilator, uh, not trying to go there, launch the ELF file. And slot two, uh, we're going to restore R2, come over here, we're going to try Tony Hacks, yes. And I'm going to see how long this takes as well too. I'm going to cut the video, but I just want to see how long this takes. All right, so that took about 30 seconds, I'd say, so... There we go, we were able to get all that done. Uh, so I'm going to turn off the PlayStation 2 and we're going to try this on the PS1. All right, so yet again, we're firing up the original PlayStation here. I do have the memory card plugged in. So I'll go to memory card. Let's see what happens. If there's gonna be anything different. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole lot of nothing right now. Let's hold on. Okay, so interesting, it does it does less there, but cool, and we were able to launch into Tony Hacks directly, so I'm going to open this up. Uh, this time around, I'm actually going to use my original, but my imported copy of Persona 2 Innocent Sin, so you'll just see it all in Japanese here. But like I've shown before, uh, both in a previous episode of Mod Chat as well as uh, a video I did specifically about Tony Hacks, we just swap away. It loads up everything. All right. I know this one takes a little bit, not Tony Hacks, but this game in particular just takes a little bit longer to load at this screen. And we should be good, hopefully. You know, it didn't work that first time around. I'm actually just realizing here, uh, maybe I needed to remove the memory card. So now this is loaded. I'm actually going to physically remove the memory card because the program's loaded up already. That's fine. I've now popped in the disc and let's see if we're able to successfully boot this time around. Again, this is, I've removed the memory card and now I'm actually doing the disk swap.
All right, there we go. So yeah, that isn't at least shown on screen, but that is really important to note. Uh, that was my own user error there. Um, I was expecting something on screen, but either way, uh, you cannot boot up games. You cannot play games with the free PSX boot modified memory card in your system. You really have to stress that. Just make sure you unplug it before you try and play your game. That actually might be what was holding me up uh, previously. And I'm just getting in game here to show you all this is very obviously Japanese. As you can see, uh, this is all Japanese text, all Japanese characters. So uh, this is the original imported disc. Now I'd like to try one more thing and I'm going to remove the memory card yet again. I'm going to pop this in. And this time around, I'm actually going to hopefully do this properly here. I'm putting in that memory card formatter application disk. So we're going to try and boot it up. And if it boots up this way, I think that was just my own issue with trying to boot it up previously. Yeah, as you can see, this works fine now. I think I just needed to remove the memory card before. Uh, but what I'll do is I will physically plug in the card now. I'm going to press X to format card one. Format card one, okay, and let's restart. All right, and just to make sure this is off, I'm going to go to memory card. I've got that same card plugged in, and there's nothing on it because I formatted it, but I'm actually able to get to this menu, so this has been fully uninstalled. Very awesome to see. So hopefully that can maybe <laughs> not only surprise some of you all, but help out as well too, uh, because it seems like there's still some confusion over getting this all, you know, unformatted without using external tools, but it looks like this is able to work just fine. So I just realized this here. I didn't think I'd be uh, hooking up and recording footage from three different generations of PlayStation consoles, but this is my PS3. And for this next part, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the dreaded C-bomb issue that people have been talking about recently. Now, for anybody who does not know, the PlayStations 3, 4, and 5, and I suppose PS2, but that's not really covered in this issue. Point is, all those PlayStations I've mentioned have a CMOS battery in them, and the CMOS battery is just a battery that is attached to a motherboard that keeps time for the console or whatever device it's hooked up to. Pretty much every computer has a CMOS battery. That's how if you unhook your computer from power, don't use it for two years and come back, it's probably going to have the accurate date and time that's on there, or maybe it's off by an hour, depending on, you know, daylight saving settings and all of that. But either way, that is all thanks to a CMOS battery. Now, unfortunately, this has kind of cropped up here recently, where I guess this issue has been known, but it's been more confirmed and the right traction was made, where this ends up affecting, again, three generations of PlayStation systems. Now, the PlayStation 3, if your CMOS battery dies and the servers go down, which we kind of had a near miss there, uh, thankfully, the PlayStation Network servers to actually purchase things from the store are no longer going to be going down, at least for now on the PS3. Even so, PSN access would still be available, so you could still play certain games online, even if you couldn't purchase new things from the store, and you could still re-download stuff. But this is imagining here if the PlayStation Network servers were not accessible, or they went down, or the services just went offline completely for the PlayStation 3, in this example here. Well, if they ended up going offline, any physical Blu-ray games you popped into your system would still work. However, if you were not able to make a connection to get the latest date and time to update the real-time clock on your system, any digital titles you might have, for example, like 
Grand Theft Auto 3 or my Resident Evil 3 right here, these games would stop working. The only way you'd really be able to fix them is if you were able to make a connection out and get the accurate date and time to update the real-time clock. Now on PS4 and confirmed PS5, this is actually worse because it affects digital and physical titles and from what i've gathered it seems to be in regards to trophies so for example when you reset everything your date and time resets to like 1969 or 1970 and they want to make sure you have the accurate trophy data now i just looked this up here on google this air which is the ce-30391-6 and there's a lot of people who end up getting confused with this here uh, now there's times i've seen sony say hey that means your console need service uh, there's been other times as well too where it's just taking your system online and of course installing the latest firmware update on there ends up resolving the issue so again that's typically if you have unplugged your system you haven't used it for a few months you plug it in and you get this air trying to boot up anything that means the CMOS battery has died and at that point you do need to make a connection to PlayStation Network to get the accurate date and time and at that point as well too, that means you need to update your system software, you need to update the firmware to do that. It's also fitting I'm showing Enable Hinge just kind of hovering over this right here, and we'll go ahead and launch it, because the thing is with this, uh, if you have a modified PlayStation 3, uh, there are ways to really relicense your games and such, relicense your packages on here. And what I'm saying here is there's ways around this if you have a modified PlayStation 3. If you have a modified PlayStation 4, I believe Goldhin is able to resolve the issue. However, that's really only for fake package games. Now, there was a kernel clock payload that was originally used in 5.05 firmware on the PlayStation. 4, uh, which that was used to allow you to start playing your PSN games again, and it worked on there. And I know Modded Warfare actually just did a video in which he tried this on his own PS4, and from what I had seen on there, it looks like the kernel clock, at least on his higher firmware PS4, I believe was 6.72, that kernel clock payload was not working, so I hope that is fixed at one point but if you have a jailbroken system there are solutions that are out there for the ps3 and ps4 ps4 i seems like there still needs to be some work on there but for the ps5 well i can't show you the ps5 since i don't have one but that's a whole other topic there regardless with the playstation 5 itself uh, this does have the same issue as well too exactly like the playstation 4 except right now there does not seem to be a fix in regards to it even through modding because you there's no mods available for the PlayStation 3. I had mentioned that because I didn't want this to turn into a C-bomb discussion here, but I did want to have that lead up to this new, I guess, modification here. You could say this hardware mod uh, that user from PSX Place Devil 303 ended up making here. Now, this is called the C-bomb Diffuso Mod Dual CMOS Battery Setup. And he states here, there have been some worry recently about what could happen if the servers used to set the time and date on PlayStation consoles were to go down. If the console's CMOS battery dies and there's no server to set the clock again, this could lead to users being locked out of their digital or even disc-based games. On hacked consoles, this is not really an issue, but for users on official firmware, this could be a potential problem in years to come. Now, this is a pretty basic mod that, you know, requires soldering on here, so it is a hard mod, but this is all he did. He had uh, two CR2032 batteries, two CR32 battery holders, and a bit of wire. 
that he was able to use to solder in here. So what he did was he was able to end up, and this is a great guide overall, uh, but he ended up soldering these two connectors together. He then ended up soldering the wires to them. He showed how to take apart the PlayStation 3 just far enough to get to the original CR2032 battery, remove that old battery, solder in these wires in place, and then some good places you can put this here. And actually, yep, no, that is a slim. At first I thought it was a fat, but nope, it was a slim. So the idea for this here being that if you are really worried about the CMOS battery issue, at least on the PlayStation 3, you can perform this mod, and as opposed to only having one CMOS battery, you'll have two CMOS batteries. And then every few years, you can maybe just set a reminder where you end up replacing the batteries, and you do it one at a time. You physically remove one battery from one side, and then replace it, and then you remove the second battery from the other side and replace that. So therefore, you still have all the same power there, you still have connectivity to your motherboard from the batteries, and you can effectively replace the batteries and keep your real-time clock while staying offline, even on a official firmware system. I would like to see something creative like this for the PlayStation 4 and even PlayStation 5, but this is still really cool to see nonetheless, and I do really like the effort here. Now, at the end of these episodes, I like to throw in something funny or cool or even both in terms of modding, and I want to cover this here from Silent, the gentleman known for Silent Patch, for many games out there, notably the Grand Theft Auto games. But as you can see here, Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown Unlocker for Yakuza 6 and Yakuza Like a Dragon. He found an entire game inside of another game. Right here it states every modern Yakuza game has arcade machines with real games from Sega. In the case of Yakuza 6 and Yakuza Like a Dragon, one of the games the player can play is even a full arcade version of Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown. There's more to it, however. While looking on a different project mentioned below, and looking around the Yakuza 6 version of the game's code, I noticed a single flag that was named rather promising. Thanks to Yakuza Like a Dragon briefly shipping on Steam with debug symbols, I knew exactly what this flag was named. G is arcade mode equals G game config dot game mode is not equal to zero. According to the game's code, Yakuza 6 and Yakuza Like a Dragon usually uses Mode 1 when booting games from within the club Sega, and Mode 2 when booting a two-player game from the main menu. Mode 0 is inaccessible from the vanilla game. What does it do when activated? Turns out it does more than anyone had expected. It activates a complete, nearly fully working console version of the game. So I'll have some gameplay up right here, which Silent has provided and put up on his YouTube channel. And it looks like this is the PC version of Like a Dragon being played. This is the... It's going to be really weird because it's a PS4 port over to the PC. And he ended up launching the game from the in-game arcade right there. But you're going to see this is a Xbox 360 port. So it's not perfect here because like if you are any of Yo... U-R-R-E, like it, there's going to be some inconsistencies, but that is certainly not silence issue. That is with the port itself. Uh, however, going in here, I, I kind of just want to show this. So he's loading it up and you're going to see, let me back up a little bit here, just the duality of this. So those are Xbox 360 buttons, like X for reset, B for back, A right there. Those are all Xbox 360 buttons. But then you're going to see when this all loads up, this is all using, like right here, circle or O for enter. 
that's using the PlayStation symbols. And then here at the main menu, single player, offline versus, but Xbox Live Battle. Like, look at that. <laughs> uh, leaderboards, achievements, download content. This is so cool to see. And I know even recently, uh, another game was, I guess, rediscovered where a developer who worked on Homefront the Revolution actually came out and said that there is a hidden build of Time Splitters 2 hidden inside of the game itself. Uh, however, the cheat codes to unlock it ended up, or the instructions were lost to time, and people were able to take that and run with it, reverse engineer the game, and find it. So that was really cool to see as well too, but this is just straight up a small mod to unlock this full game within a game, which is a port from the PlayStation 4 over to the PC. This is just so cool. Well, here we go. We're at the end of this episode of Mod Chat. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Hopefully it was entertaining. And typically at the end of these episodes, I like to pick a keyword. And if you use this keyword in a comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you made it to the end of this episode. So I think for this, you know what, since we had talked about this here, uh, I'm going to use this keyword. I'm going to use store. If you use the word store, S-T-O-R-E, if you use the word store, in your comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you made it to the end. Do you have a favorite store that you like to go to? Are you sad about the PSP store shutdown that is still going to happen? Uh, are you trying to avoid stores still at this point? Uh, let me know what you think of with that word store, so I'll know that you made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. This is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next time.